You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. What is up, my friends? Welcome to the MMA Fighting Ranking Show. I am Sean Moshadi, and I'm joined by my man. You already know, he is the prince of positivity. He's the king in the north. Alexander K. Lee, and we always appreciate y'all for joining us. AK, what's up, man? How are we doing today? I'm in, man, I'm in a great mood. It's it's super hot up here in Canada. I mean, well, listen, you live I in Arizona. I do not want to hear in, heat. I know, you live in it. Listen, hot up here is like it's like 16 degrees. It's scorching every night. No, no. It, it is legitimately like you, you, I think you would, no, you'd probably be very comfortable up here. Uh, for for me, it's a, a little a little bit of heat. It's getting a little bit of the hot hot heat, but it's good summer weather. It's good time for balling. I'm out there. I'm out there on the streets. If anyone's up in the in the Markham Scarborough area, come see me. If you want to get some, if you want to get these buckets, come see me. Uh, so it is it is ball season, uh, outdoor ball season. So I'm excited. Uh, but other than that, we had a. I don't know how you look at it. There was there was some things that happened in June rankings wise. It wasn't like you know we didn't see wasn't massive the busiest upheaval. month. Wasn't the busiest I mean, month. Depending how you view, I guess, one particular title fight. <laughs> I I just have to bring us backwards here for a second because I just Googled it. You you guys in your Celsius, it's so it's so difficult for us. Uh-huh. You just you just complain about 16 degrees Celsius. There's no way you just complain where, about where, 16 degrees you, Celsius. You, where are you looking? Are you looking in which which province are you looking? We have provinces up here, by the way. Which province? Which province? <laughs> I don't know, in? but you just complained about 16 I'm degrees Celsius. I feel like. It's 31 in Ontario. Okay, 31 is different. If you're complaining Thank about 16, you. which is like 60, apparently, according to Google. Oh, no. 31 is 87, man. I'm not hearing it that from you. That is hot. <laughs> this is ridiculous. This is it's boiling. It, dude, it, you could go outside right now in Arizona and your shoes would melt. Like, I can't even take I, my dog for a walk. I am about to pass out. Don't get me excited. I can't get excited in this heat. I'm not going to make it through the show. <laughs> oh, man. I, I am jealous, though, of the, of the ball aspect that you just mentioned because my knee is just too busted. I can't I can't play basketball anymore. I had to retire. I wish I could get back to uh, it. Any, any day now. I'm so scared. Like, I I, I play with the, the youngins. I call out the youngins in my area. Man, I, I, any minute now, I just, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn the wrong way. I'm going to jump the wrong way, and it's a wrap. I just, I just, I'm so... <laughs> Do so, it for us, AK. You got to stay in the game as long as oh, you can, man. Oh, my gosh. No more jumping. No more jumping. No defense. That's it. It's the best way. <laughs> hey. Just stay on the three-point line, shoot threes. 
everybody mm-hmm. needs it. Uh, but you're right, man. I mean, it hasn't. It's been a light month. Uh, I will say though, I hope everyone out there is having a wonderful, or I should say, had a wonderful May. Uh, you already know, but in case you don't, this is our once a month look at the MMA Fighting Global Rankings. Uh, and looking back, what we just experienced since this last ranking show. Three UFC events, two Bellator events, one PFL event. So not a lot there. That's a little bit of a lighter schedule than most. But it did have some big hitters, and I would say some standout performances. So when I say to you, MVP of May, what stands out to you? Well, I want to say Carla Esparza for setting the record for the longest you know, time between uh, successful title wins. Two-time you know, champion. Two-time, the inaugural, and now current 115 pound champion Carla Esparza. She did it by beating the woman she beat the first time to become the champion. Very definitive the first time they fought. This time, anything but. Horrible, horrible title fight. Uh, much maligned by the uh, unanimously by the uh, MMA community. The MMA community doesn't agree on much. I did not see a single dissenting opinion. Not even one person trying to go like, no, it was a real mental chess match. I did not. <laughs> not one person. Even Carla and oh, you know what? Maybe Pat Barry. I don't know. Maybe Pat Barry thought that 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 was a good fight. I'm not sure that 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 didn't go their way. I, but either way, I think both fighters kind of like. Boy, I mean, Rose certainly would admit it wasn't her best. Carla did interviews after saying like, "Yeah, listen, we I understand it was you know it wasn't a fight of the year candidate." Was it the worst uh, so, to you? Was it the worst of all time? UFC title I mean, fight? Listen, we, we, I've already we did, said it was to me. Yeah, look, we've done a roundtable, MMAfighting.com. Guys, you got that roundtable. And uh, you you certainly, uh, you just doubled down on it. We gave you options. I said, I said, Shaheen, is there any fight you would like to compare to this fight? And you were like, no, I'm just, I want to talk about again how bad this is. Uh, I had, I, listen, I, I had to go pre-modern era. I mean, I had to go the Dan Severn, uh, Ken Shamrock remands. That's how bad, that's how far along we're talking. And that's not even the same, that's barely even the same sport. Yeah, like I kind of cheated to find that one. So, yeah. um, I mean, it may very well be the worst title fight of the modern era. But um, but yeah, I, I, I wanted to celebrate her. I was so ready to make her the MVP, but we can't really, can we? We can't. And as we'll discuss later in the show, we'll bring on our esteemed, our esteemed pals, MMA fighting pals. Uh, I, I'm not going to spoil who they are. You know, you can wait to the end of the segment. But uh, to discuss uh, what the hell we do, wh- why we can't quite give Carla Esparza her flowers and uh, possibly who those flowers should go to. So... Uh, not really our MVP. What a tease. What a, what tease, a tease that was. I'm ex- but I am excited to say, I think we can give it to Alexander Romanov. Oh, okay. I'm here Isn't for this. Fair. Tell me. I, tell me. I, going from unranked, he had he was a Farve before. He was a fighter also receiving votes. So he was on the on the radar. Very highly ranked by one Jed Mishu. Jed, known for being one of the more progress- progressive rankers. He'll 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 <laughs> That's throw, an interesting he'll, adjective to throw to it. He'll throw people without who've who've never fought a ranked opponent into his top seven. He doesn't care. I can't remember how high uh, actually I'll check for the click right now. He had Romanov uh way higher than the rest of us. Uh, he already had him 11. So we're at a, we're, we're as a consensus have him at 11 now. Uh, Jed last month had him at 11 and has bumped Romanov in his rankings all the way up to number eight. So he has Romanov in his top 10. Most of us not quite ready to make that commitment yet. Uh, it does feel like he is not far off, though. And if he had landed there, I don't think any of us would have complained. Uh, we're very excited from what we've seen with him. He's changed his body. He looks That's he's now, the thing. There you go. He is now Alexander Ubernov. Uh, he is dominate. Listen, yes, he needs to step up in competition, but the competition he has fought outside of the very funky and bizarre Juan Espino fight, and Juan Espino is a good heavyweight, by the way. Outside of that fight, it's just Les looks spectacularly dominant as advertised. Really, just feels like when you call someone the next big thing, really feels like the next big thing, and uh, it feels like he's he's definitely worthy of a top ten opponent, even though we don't have him there. Uh, we don't have him in our top ten yet. 
he is ready to, for someone to take him on and, and uh, put their spot up against him. And uh, boy, I don't know who's going to bet against him taking it. So I'll go with him. Going, going from the unranked, going from also receiving votes to number 11 in our rankings. I should throw in the caveat. When we, when we throw this around, the MVP, we mean in terms of rankings. We don't mean in overall sense because Charles mm-hmm. Oliveira is the overall MVP. Like That dude is just oh, yes. un- unbelievable. Even, even the missing weight, that whole thing. We don't need to go it's into It's almost it. getting boring how good he is, though, Shane. It's just so... <laughs> I, I know you're the uh, captain of the bandwagon and have been for a long time. Everyone on our side, oh, Dustin Poirier is going to beat him. Justin Gates is going to beat him. I'm just yawning. I'm just like, I'm just like, how quickly until Charles Oliveira? <laughs> how many seconds until he taps the? Actually, I mean, I guess both those fights were, uh, those fights were pretty tough, you know. But it's so comical the way this stuff works, though, because I actually kind of like the the Romanov pick. I think that might actually be that might be right if you if if I'm thinking about it and I'm really thinking about it. Dude beat Chase Sherman. That's yes. all. That's all we're talking about. Correct, and that's enough to get you the MVP. But he kind of he did. He looks like a different version of himself, right? He came in here. He used to be very much this guy. He came in with a lot of baby fat. Looks like a very heavyweight who enjoyed himself. And this looked like a, a, a 2.0 version. Like he looked like a monster out there. I was super he, impressed with a guy who we've seen for two years, three years. He looked like a different person. He looked like a cuddly bear before. Now he looks like like a, he kind of like a cuddly cartoon bear before. Now he looks like a real life bear, like the kind of bear that will shred, <laughs> shred you limb from limb if you even attempt to get close. Like, uh, so yes, I mean that is the kind of transformation he's made. Yeah, he's now five and zero in the UFC in the heavyweight division, and you know at that point five and zero in the heavyweight division, you're going to get somebody big. So wherever Romanov goes from here, I'm sure he's going to get a very big fight, and I'm actually really excited for that because this has been a dude who has been very low key, uh, a very low key contender or prospect, I should say, for for a bit now, but he's finally graduated. It feels like to that budding contender range uh so romanoff he was definitely one of the big winners for this month in terms of our rankings as you said he went from unranked to 11th couple of the other ones real quick cheeto vera the man beating the hell out of rob font uh just an unbelievable performance he moves from number 11 to number seven in our bantamweight ranking so he is now a top seven fighter and he is going to get a big one next i like that as well also carlos Barza, as you said moving from three to one and then ketlin vieira Coming out of nowhere, making the whole internet very upset. (laughs) And why? I don't need to talk about the scoring of the fight. I'm like, are we not? Even if you thought home won that fight, are you people not happy to see the reign of uh, the Holly Holmes reign of terror in the top three finally come to an end? It is. She has been. She has been holding on to that top three or top two spot. I mean, she was definitely ahead of Juliana Pena before Pena won the title. So she has been number two or number three. It feels like for like two years. are we not excited for like someone not new blood per se? I mean, it is yeah, new I mean, blood in the top. Sure, to 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 break into there. I know she had a recent. I know she missed weight. I know she had a recent loss to Yana Kuniskaya. So it's not like she's like this big fan favorite. But it it was a it was I thought a pretty decent fight. And again, I had no problem with the with the results. And I think people should be excited that you can you can most people I think unless you thought it was a sheer robbery, which I know that argument is out there. Kelly it's Vianna so funny. Is is the number three? I think nearly undisputed number three bantamweight in the world that's that's kind of cool in a division that has very little movement yeah she moved from number seven to number three and the whole thing was really just funny to me because it's just like of all the fights to ignite such a massive fervor in the in the mma community about judging and scoring and all this which is discussions we need to have it's it's i feel like important discussions but like that's the fight that's gonna <laughs> be the catalyst for this what <laughs> that fight sucked what are we talking about uh i mean between those all those names we just mentioned though obviously One's a champion. We just hit Roman off a little bit. Between the other two, Cheeto and Ketlin. 
Who do you believe in more now than you more so than you did a month ago? Like, where are you at with these two? I don't know why. I'm such a fan of the guy's a fighter, and I just don't know why I can never get all in on the Cheeto bandwagon. Uh, maybe there's the cynical part of me, uh, of, of the of the fight fan slash, you know, MMA uh, media member. I think when some, it, it sounds so silly to say when someone clearly goes out of their way to like, enter, this guy loves putting on entertaining fights. He loves winning. He loves when he's in there to win. Don't even make no mistake. He's in there to win. He also loves entertaining. And I guess I'm having trouble separating Cheeto the entertainer from Cheeto, the serious contender. This kind of what happened with, with Michelle Pereira, who, uh, by the way, was on the cut. It's very close to being ranked. This is the closest he's come to being ranked in our rankings, uh, Demolador. And would have um, been if not for one don't, someone. Don't. Who, we don't need do to name to names, but someone's really don't. holding on to the past here. <laughs> <laughs> don't do this to me. I love I love Michelle Pereira. I just wasn't ready to rank him yet. And I I, it, I, I don't know why I'm doing this to myself because I'm such a fan. But but he's an example of a guy who I feel like has transitioned from being just a pure entertainer and kind of a circus act to someone who people are starting to see as a contender, even if they're maybe not enjoying watching his fights as much as they used to. And, and again, it's silly. You could absolutely be an contender and a contender. Uh, everyone in the lightweight division, um, you know, boring does not equal boring and methodical does not make you more. Uh, you know, necessarily make you more likely to become champion. That's just that's just not the way it is. Um, but I, 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 for just for some reason with Cheeto Vera, I'm having trouble making that separation. So I think I don't know. Maybe I, maybe I need to see him in fights that are less back and forth because Rob Font went clear win for him. But also Rob Font, I think, put in a good effort. You know, he he, he quote unquote outstruck him. He landed more <laughs> significant strikes, which we know if you watch the fight does not tell the story. Uh, so uh, by almost by default, uh, I'm going with Ketlin Baeta. And it's just, let's be honest, it's a bit easier to get to the top of the women's 135 division. There you go. Men's one, right? I mean, I, yeah. I, you know, but she is a good fighter. She is a good fighter. And I thought she put on a really good performance against, against Holly Holm. I think a clearly a winning performance, in my opinion. Disagree if you want, people. Um, so by that, in that sense, she's closer. Does that mean I think pound for pound, she's a better fighter than uh, Marlon Vera? I wouldn't, like skill-wise, I wouldn't say that. But I do think she is... Uh, we are in a world where Kellen Vera fighting for a UFC title is very, very, uh, very, very real possibility. You hit the nail on the head when you just compared the the talent at the top of the divisions because it's not mm. it's different universes, right? Like the top of women's thirty five and the top of men's thirty five, it's not even the same conversation. If we're being real, like the names at the top of men's thirty five, you could go what ten deep, twelve deep with just like murderers, and with women's thirty five, it's it's. In a bit of a rut right now, like the Pena thing, the Pena Nunes thing shook it up a little bit. But otherwise, that division has been so stagnant for a bit. So you're right. I mean, Stephanie Kettle- Egger, Stephanie Egger is ranked. And this is no disrespect to Stephanie Egger. But when you consider she only has uh, she has nine pro bouts and she is she is the she is the uh, number 15 bantamweight in, in the world. By the way. This isn't just UFC rankings. We're talking, we do. We do glo- this is the MMA fighting global rankings. We have her one. We have her number 15 in the world uh, with only nine pro bouts. And I, and I think she'd go higher because I'm a fan of Stephanie Edgar. I think she's an entertaining fighter and a good fighter. But it just sounds crazy when you <laughs> when you when you put it that way. Uh, someone with nine pro bouts who has fought for really good promotions. Uh, you know, she's fought a high level for a while. But uh, it just sounds strange. Most people could not. Most casual fans could not pick Stephanie Edgar out of a lineup, much less would say she's a, a top 15 contender in a divisions. I will say, though, I feel a little betrayed just a little bit. By, I mean, there's one person I know in my entire life who loves the Ultimate Fighter, who watches the Ultimate Fighter, who who still raises at the altar of tough, and it's you. 
and you can't ride and die for your tough alum right here you can't ride for cheeto vera the 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 pride oh. of the ultimate fighter latin america come on man that's such a good season too that's a, it actually the, uh, it actually was a decent season that's the verdun, that. verdun kane the verdun kane season right yeah it's the first first that uh, was latin so, america season was, i think that was such a good season you're right i I, I don't know. And I've interviewed Mar Marlon a couple of times. I've always enjoyed interviewing him. Uh, he's a very fiery, passionate interview for anyone who's talked to him. It's so a great interview. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe uh, it's it's the, you know, kind of the reverse jinx, reverse bias where you're so familiar with someone or you like a fighter so much. You're like you're scared to kind of like say like, yeah, I think this is the guy. So I, I listen. What I'm saying is I'm happy to be proven wrong. If he fights for UC Tyson Day, if he wins the UC Tyson Day, I'll be the first one like clapping and cheering. Like, I just think he's a great story, a very fun fighter to watch. Um so, well, yeah, so I have it is it is a bit of the the Charles Oliveira thing, right? Where it's just like we have so much history with him, mm -hmm. and he, and he, mm -hmm. I mean, we've seen him lose a lot. Yep. Like he's lost six times in the UFC. He's been in the UFC for like what seven eight years at this point. Like you know who he is, or no, actually no, that's not fair. We knew who he was, and at a certain point, it's hard to shake, even though he is no longer the the fighter that he obviously was at one point. Mm -hmm. uh, one quick note on the Ultimate Fighter because we mentioned it the, that Latin <laughs> America season. <laughs> <laughs> so my just old, one? one my one of my only memories of watching that because for some reason i had to watch it for something i think i was covering that mexico event where it was like the whole card was the the tough finale and then it was like a, a title fight at the top or something uh i just remember that the coaches challenge on that season uh which was still the only good part of the ultimate fighter is these coaches challenges the only part i will ever watch every year was if i'm not wrong i think it was kane and verdum playing soccer and Kane oh. had very clearly not played soccer ever in his life, or at least not for a really, really long time, like since he had been in high school or like been a kid. And it was hilarious to watch. Just he was a it fish out of water in front of all these dudes who lived up and grew up with soccer. Of all the team sports, that's like the most shocking one when someone tells me they've never played it. Like, uh, like even some very, you've never kicked, you've never felt like a volleyball in the field and like kicked it around like it is just so the the barrier of entry is so low to play soccer like and what you need to do like basketball will be up there too but basketball you still need a rim i mean you could like soccer is legit like there's people say some why and there's one of the reasons why it's most popular sport in the world. you can get two sacks of, of dough and place them on the side of the thing you've got a net and you kick around some vaguely round shaped that shocked me that he had never somehow had never played soccer before I, i'm sure he had at some point but it's definitely been just, a bit distant can uh, i can i go make one more note here can i do a little happy trails let's do it. two people Maybe not so happy trails, I have to say. I'm sorry. Our welterweight, our welterweight division took a weird hit, losing uh, Ray Cooper and poor Michael Venom Page. Oh, who, my. We, we, we hardly knew ye in the rankings. I think I think he only got ranked after he beat uh, Douglas Lima. And it's just been hanging by a thread. A lot of our panel just did not want to rank him at all. Uh, and as soon as he lost to Logan Story, they could not be happier. <laughs> very close fight. You want to talk <laughs> close fights, forget home by Ed. That's a very close fight, Storley and MVP. I have both of them in my rank. I have Storley and MVP in my rankings. So I've got some Bellator representation, but uh, Michael Page does exit our rankings. I think Storley, did Storley even take his place or did they both just kind of so fall out? The weird thing about that fight and what was kind of funny about the way all that played out is that fight was so bad and I think so polarizing that for several of the panelists of our eight person team, neither of them got in. Offensive. That's offensive. Uh, thankfully, Logan's had enough points. Tied for 13 with up-and-coming Shafkat Rachmanov and uh, someone I've been hanging on to a little too long, uh, Jorge Masvidal. So that's that they're tied at the bottom of the of rankings at uh, 13. Uh, Shafkat will be fighting Neil Magny soon. And the other note was, yeah, uh, Ray Cooper, uh, boy, missed weight by over five pounds. Dude. Lost against a tough new PFL newcomer in uh, Carlos Leal. 
And uh, I don't know if you took them out of your rankings, uh, Shaheen, but I know a lot of I us did. just dropped them, dropped them straight out. It straight hurt out. me. It hurt me because I think I had him the highest of anybody on the team. We like Ray Coop. How high? Yeah. Do you, how, let me say. You had him. I had him at 10. 10. I had him at 10. But he, he, he it was a weird performance. He looked really bad. He missed weight. I feel like he was probably injured because that's like, I don't know how else to describe what we saw from him. But it's also just like shows you how much welterweight continues to just be a shark tank at the bottom of that division yeah. like with all the prospects coming up all the talent all throughout the world there's no remorse ray cooper loses one and he was just out from everybody i don't think anybody ranked him this month and he does not have his next fight schedule but it is a pfl season fingers crossed he should get another chance to fight it's gonna be an uphill climb now to make the postseason but uh, yeah hopefully everything's okay with uh, ray cooper whatever happened with with this weight miss because it's a, a very very big weight miss uh it does not seem like just something that would just happen without uh without you know some some reasoning behind it so hopefully we see him again this year and he bounces right back and maybe he's ranked again by the end of the year shaheen we don't know yeah well looking ahead really quickly before we get to our group discussion we have for you guys this month june's looking kind of okay june's looking pretty nice if we're being honest we have a pay-per-view here coming up in singapore also the way the timing works out uh ufc 276 is going to be in this ranking cycle as well so we have a little two pay-per-view special for this next cycle what are you looking at, AK? Like, what's the biggest storyline, biggest potential oh. movement that you could see preview in June? Biggest movement? I don't know. I'm obviously super excited for the Glover to share a uh, Yuri Prohashka fight because almost, almost like Charles Oliveira, there's just this disrespect about like, well, yeah, he's holding, he's just holding on to the belt for like the next real champion. Uh, Oliveira, of course, has kind of silenced that talk with the wins over Poirier and Gaethje. To share an opening his first held defense, a guy against someone who has already has first place votes in our light heavyweight rankings, by the way, uh, one Mr. Yuri Prohashka. So uh, I'm intrigued by that fight. Who could actually make a big move up? Uh, there's a lot of middleweight business going down because uh, we like you said, we are counting July 2nd in there. Uh, Andre Muniz, who I think we'll hear about a bit more later on the show, uh, has a fight with Uriah Hall. That's big. That's a big one. Uh, also happening at UFC 276. Uh, I'll throw in one for you if you want. Go ahead, please. A woman we haven't heard from in quite a bit that we're going to actually talk about later on the show, but Ioana Janjacek is about to make her return to this 115-pound division. She's unranked for oh. us because of inactivity. Yes. I am fascinated to see where she still stands in this division. That's right. Yeah, listen. Ioana uh, Janjacek, uh, you want a champion if you still want to refer her in that sense. I know a lot of people still love her and view her as, as the best in the world at 115 pounds. Uh, yeah, she's coming back. And if she wins that rematch with Zhang Weili, it's going to complicate the already bizarre uh, labyrinthine uh, arithmetic that we have at the top four or five of, of this division. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to how that fight turns out. And really, regardless of the result, I kind of still don't know what it's going to mean uh, for these fighters. But uh, I guess we'll talk about that shortly. Yes, that's a great segue, actually. This is why you're such a pro. AK. That's a great seg uh, to our first big topic. So let's go ahead, hit the break. Then after that, we got the crew coming in, Damon Martin and Jed Mishu, and we'll get to it. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. 
Real Traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. We are back. We got the crew. Damon Martin, Jed Mishu, appreciate you fellas, as always. Uh, so we're jumping right in. AK and I, we have two things for you guys today. But let's start here. The straw weights, gentlemen. We have a new number one this month. Uh, Rose Namajunas is no more. Instead, it is Carla Esparza. Yes, Carla Esparza taking that number one spot after just a, a, a legendary, awe-inspiring spectacular throw all the adjectives you want to you throw in there win over thug rose at ufc 274 might be the worst championship fight in history i don't know we don't need to litigate that uh but either way what a month for carla right like wins her second title wears the belt down the aisle on her wedding day proclaimed the number one straw weight in the world by the only rankings that matter uh and this is the kind of stuff you tell your grandkids about but i have to say when we did these, it was actually interesting because this wasn't unanimous. This wasn't a unanimous decision across the team. Somewhat surprisingly, there were actually two of us on this eight-person panel who zigged when the rest zagged. Uh, and Jed, bringing you in, allow me to reveal that you were actually one of the two. I, I believe you had Carla at number two for your strawweight rankings. Our good buddy, E. Casey Layden, had her at number three. And both of you instead had Jessica and Draj as your new number one. And you know what? I don't. I don't know that I hate it. Uh, just explain this one to us. This, I mean, this is a weird division right now. Why was Jessica your number one? Uh, the explanation here is that this division is a cluster, and I don't think they're right or wrong answers, frankly. Um, I I fully expected, kind of after what happened this past month, that Carla's going to get the number one spot. And if if you, listener, you have her as the top, that's fine. I You're not going to get any, any issues with me. But... It was just really hard for me to decide that she is the number one fighter in the world in her weight class because she's not. And so <laughs> it's just, I think that there are like four women that I would comfortably think would beat her if they fought her. Now, one of those women, Yoni and Jacek, is not eligible to be ranked for us. But uh, it this was honestly one of the harder choices I've ever had to make as far as our divisional rankings have gone, because I do want to validate, you know, good performances and, or not even good performances, but results. Cause as they say, they don't ask how they ask how many, and it does not matter what that fight with Rose Nami Yunus looked like. Carlos Barza now has two victories over a woman that people were incorrectly saying is the greatest straw weight of all time coming into that bout. 
And that has to count for something. And I want to reward that. But it's really hard for me to do so when Esparza has many losses and would be an enormous underdog against Jessica Andrade, uh, Wiley Zhang. Uh, I think in a rematch with Marina Rodriguez, I-, I would favor Rodriguez to win that fight. I mean, hell, Mackenzie Dern. Like, there are a lot of people that I think would have a really good chance at beating her. And so couldn't quite do it. And for me, uh, because there is this sort of rock, paper, scissors, add a fourth one in there because everybody's losing to everybody at the top. It's this weird mishmash. I just rewarded the person who was kind of the, the conflation of all the best things of, of dominant performances and victories and who I would probably pick over most people, but not everybody. And that's Jessica Andrade. I mean, she's coming off arguably the submission of the year at this point, the standing arm triangle uh, of Amanda Limos. Uh, you know, before that she had taken a, a brief detour up to flyweight, but she has been one of the very best strawweights in the world for her entire career. She beat Rose Namajunas once definitively. And I, I know she lost that rematch. I still stand on the corner that that rematch should have been a draw. If not pride rules Andrade wins that fight. Uh, and so for me, Andrade, the losses on her career are, really the big one that is a blocker at this point is the Wiley Zhang. And because Wiley Zhang has lost more recently than Andrade, I just said, uh, it's fine. Everybody's got losses. Everybody's got problems with their cases. I'm going to take who I think is kind of the best fit for all of it. And right now that's Jessica Andrade. Um, and I, I would feel good about picking her in a fight with any woman on the planet at 115 pounds. And that's ultimately where I, why, why she made the top spot for me. Be real with me for a second, because you were very strong in your belief that Rose was going to wash Carla before that fight. Yeah. Oh, super strong. I like lost you, a lot of money at- on that fight. <laughs> <laughs> you were adamant about it. Is this almost like a subtle way to, I wouldn't say punish the performance, but just punish the way that fight played out? Like, is that a big part of this? I don't think it's any part of it, because I have Rose at three, and I debated whether that should be the case because I, uh, you know, Casey's got uh Wiley at number two and I think there's a pretty clear argument to do that. I mean, it, it depends on what you're valuing and how you're doing it. I, I did not want to put Carla Spars at number two, frankly, just because I, I won't pick her over whoever she fights next, whoever she fights next, I'm not going to pick Carla Spars to beat, And so I don't really feel that that, is deserved of two in that regard. But if you're just looking at what she's accomplished and if you are crediting her with a win over Nama Yunus, which I'm doing, I think she has to be above Rose at this point in the rankings. And similarly, I can't really put Zhang Wiley in front of Rose because Rose beat her twice pretty recently. And so it all just sort of flowed from there in a, in a weird way. And, you know, I, I don't, Rose shouldn't have lost that fight, but just because she shouldn't have lost that fight doesn't mean she didn't. And so I have to punish her for that, even though I would still pick her to win a third fight, but I'd feel way less confident because she might just, just not fight because it's a game plan or whatever nonsense is going on. Like, I don't, I mean, the game plan's great. Like that game plan works if it works. And if it doesn't, it's the worst thing you've ever done in your career. And we're in the ladder camp now. And that means she's number three in my rankings. But like I said, at the start, 
any idea. I usually feel really good about my rankings and where I'm at. I don't have any clue what to do with this mess of a division. I'm right there with you. And Damon, I mean, I'll bring you in here. I, I admit I struggled with this one a bit even before because I got mine in before I saw what Casey and Jed did. And I still even kind of consider doing the same. Like I actually really wanted to get there with Jessica because I, I agree with a lot of the points Jed's making about Carla. It's just so weird. The rock, paper, scissors dynamic of 115 right now, because ultimately I just couldn't put her uh, Jessica over Zhang Wei Li. I just I couldn't get there. And then it's this tumbling effect where I can't. And that's put, a totally reasonable thing, too. Yeah. Like, it's all just so nonsense right now. Well, because it, it creates this weird effect where I can't put Wei Li over Rose. I can't <sighs> put Rose over Carla. So I actually ended up with Jessica at four, even though she was almost my number one. Like the whole thing is very bizarre right now. Weigh in on this for us. Like, where, what do you think about Jed's logic here? And did you struggle at all? Like I did. I, I did. I actually have Jessica Andrade's ranked lower than anybody else on our panel. I have her fifth. I have her behind Marina Rodriguez. And my reasoning for that was because Marina has looked really good lately and she's on a great streak at Strawway. And of course, Andrade was, you know, kind of toiling away at Flyway for a little while before coming back and beating Amanda Lemos. Very, very impressive win. But I struggled about where to put her because she has the loss to Zhang, which was a very definitive loss to Zhang. She had the loss to Nami Yunus again, close fight. And then, you know, of course, she's coming back to division for the first time in a you know, year and a half, whatever it was. So I was kind of torn. Like I ended up putting her at five because I just wasn't really sure where to put her. I couldn't, I could not justify putting her above Nama Yunus and Jang because of their past fights. Uh, and then Rodriguez is on a great streak. So it was a weird one. Like I, I weirdly like, like looking at like Jed and Casey's ranking, like weirdly my 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 issue would be bigger Andraj over Zhang because she obviously got knocked out. Um, for that, I would have a bigger issue with that than I do with her being number one over Spars. If that makes any sense whatsoever, as bizarre as that sounds, like yeah. I have a bigger problem with her jumping over sense. Zhang because she has a loss. But yeah, this whole division is a mess. Like I don't disagree. Like Carla Spars is far from a being a dominant champion. And I don't think a lot of people are going to pick her. To win her next fight, I would, I would actually favor her a little bit in the in the Rodriguez rematch. I think that's probably her one path to a victory. But if Joanna beats, you know, Zhang Wei Li coming up at UFC 275, I still think Joanna runs roughshod over Carlos Barza. God, uh, you imagine if that happens twice, man? Oh my god! Yeah, it and then and then so the same hard. thing with the same the same thing with. Uh, with uh, Zhang, like I think that's an awful matchup for Carlos Barza, Zhang Weili, which I know Zhang's a little further back in the pack right now, uh, and no one's going to be screaming for a third fight with Nami Yunus. But yeah, like it's a weird one. Like I think she might have a shot against Marina. She did have a split decision win over her, uh, but like again, I don't like her to win a lot of those matchups. So yeah, it's a weird one. Like I don't have a problem with Andrade being number one. It's just my only thing is again the Zhang thing. Like she lost to Zhang so definitively, and I know Zhang can't be number one right now. Like that's clear cut she's had you know two loss two pretty definitive losses to row well one really definitive and then the second one you know of course was a decision but i still thought rose won um so yeah it's a weird one like i don't think it's wrong to put on number one but also where else do you put her i had her at five only because i didn't know where else to put her yeah ak i mean i grew up with pokemon this feels to me like a very Bulbasaur beats Squirtle, Squirtle beats Charmander, Charmander beats Bulbasaur. Like, oh, it's so weird. You had the same top four as me, Carla, Rose, yes. Whaley, Jessica, in that order. You're the resident rules man here. I know, I know Jed, I Jed Logic hashtag can sometimes make your head explode. <laughs> 
any around this time of the month when we're doing these type of things. But what do you think? I mean, is this one of those times where did you have any consideration to do the same? I mean, Joanna, Damon mentioned Joanna is going to be part of this conversation here too very soon. Like this whole division is all over the place. Joanna makes it way weirder too when she gets so, involved. Yeah. Super weird. Well, again, that, if she be if she be Zhang, could you imagine she's number she one? Jane, you could honestly. Every- but- Oh, if she be Zhang, she's definitely number one. I think that's... <laughs> Which is hilarious, because like, Zhang's like three for us or something. I know. Well, it's, it's just... It, it's all just insane. This whole division. There's no wrong answers. There's no wrong way to eat this Reese's. I uh, I love rules, as you guys know. I also love uh, basic math. I do love math, as Shaheen knows, when we do our Are you rankings. Are the calculator? Favorite times. No, oh my actually, God, are we gonna, about to no, break out the calculator? No, 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 no. I was expressly We don't have the told, budget for that. We don't have the budget. I was expressly... Not because regular use would be... As we, people know, full disclosure, when we use the MMA fighting MMA math calculator, it costs $82,000 every time you use it. <laughs> and it's worth it every time. It has solved so many debates and <laughs> so many time. discussions. Every, every time. time. However, I was told because uh, this equation was potentially so volatile... <laughs> That if it like if it caused the calculator to explode, this thing costs like high six figures to replace. So it was not worth the risk. And, and I agreed. I, I said, yeah, because I was trying to do the math in my head. And this is a situation why it's so important to look beyond rankings and look beyond wins and losses. You really have to know not just the records of these fighters, uh, like their head to head records, but how those fights went. Because just looking at all their Wikipedia entries, I mean, that's confusing enough as you guys have kind of gone over. Like, oh, this person beat this person, this person beat this person, this person beat this person. And then you look how it happened. Like you look at the two and uh, Andrade Namajunas fights. You look at the two Zhang uh, Zhang Namajunas fights. You look at uh, Asparza and Yoana Yachechik. How that fight went? It's just a, a complete shellacking. Uh, you look how the first Asparza Namajunas uh, fight went. That was a shellacking in Asparza's favor. And again, some of those fights happened so long ago, you know, and they wouldn't be the same. But stylistically, most of these fighters are kind of who they were and kind of who they have been for the past five, six years. They might be improved versions. They might be a little more well-rounded. But they are who they are, and it does feel kind of easy to project how an Asparza JJ rematch would go, um, how even a a, a a third fight with Namajun and Zhang might go, uh, and Andrade versus anybody because she's just such a wild force of nature. You feel like she could finish any of these people, and I think if she got the shot against Asparza, she'd be well, like. She'd open minus two hundred, right? Like oh, that's think, not a crazy think, thing to say. I think like four hundred higher, maybe four hundred. No, yeah. That disrespectful. Yeah. I, that's I not uh, disrespectful. That's facts. Uh, yeah. I think that's she just smart money. She would it's, club a sparsa. It's it's very respectfully badly. It's very respectful to Jessica Andrade. Um, yeah, it's it, it, on paper. It, 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 the, the fact that Asparza has the belt is the only reason. Like I think the odds would be closer if this match was just made as like a contender's bout. You're right. Andrade would clearly be, you know, there'd be no reason to 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 pick Asparza. It feels very good, I will say, to be kind of positive. It feels very good to have Asparza at the top. I think a I lot of us had, I totally had, had campaigned for the longest time for her to at least get the rematch. We didn't know she would beat Rose, but it's like, my goodness, if there's any meritocracy, she has done more than enough to earn a rematch. And there was the, the you know, the the uh, built-in storyline of, of uh, her having won the first fight so cleanly. And this was to be Rose Namajunas' like sort of redemption if she could get that to win. We didn't get any of that. Uh, we didn't get any kind of satisfaction either way. We didn't, we didn't get as far as approving that she is number one definitively. We didn't get Namajunas, you know, uh, uh, racing that demon, as it were. Uh, so, yes, that's where now we're left in this weird spot. And I think it's a fun discussion. Uh, we mentioned Casey having Namajunas as fourth, which is not crazy. It's just not. Nothing's crazy. Considered crazy. Frank, it's nothing, not, nothing's yeah. crazy right now. It cannot be considered crazy. Four, and for, for Damon's sake, because he is 
I would say quizzically put Rodriguez in the top four above Andrade, sure. but okay. I, I'm even well, like it's that's not that wrong. But like as long yeah. as that five is that five, it it's throw dice, figure it out. It just doesn't really there's no right or wrong answer. And I that's can't wait be to see how so. I can't wait to see how Joanna just throws the monkey wrench in it's this whole be, thing, yeah. especially if she wins. Like, obviously, I think she's going to get ranked win or lose because she, basically she's only not ranked right now because she's she been out be for two years. Like the top six win or lose. But if she goes out and beats Zhang Weili, which I think she has a great chance to do, and I actually scored her winning the first fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, if she goes out Same. and beats Zhang Weili this time, uh, <laughs> that chaos, man. The chaos is going to be amazing. And we're, and fun, and we're just looking way. at 10 days, really. Like, that's happening. Yeah. If she does that though, who who takes the belts from Carla? Because any of them do, but who gets to? <laughs> well, who gets, unfair, who gets right? the virtue? It's like when Bisping was champion. It was like, which guy is going to be the guy who, <laughs> who gets, gets to be the middleweight champion? <laughs> yeah. It is the exact same thing. It's like, well, it's we'll be similar. Will it be Yoel? It's going to be or George if you if you want to be Jang, I will almost guarantee you she's going to get Asparza. They are going to run that back so fast because oh, yeah. I guarantee the because what happened yeah, the first probably. fight, the UFC and loves Joanna. And as much as I like Marina Rodriguez and as much as it would kind of suck for her, uh, you know, Joanna going out, the Joanna can, you know, co-headline pay-per-views. I don't think anyone's going to be running to the bank to pay to watch Rodriguez Asparza too. I mean, I'm thinking more Jessica Andrade because you that woman is a violent, violent human being. <laughs> and I would watch give her. Me, give, me Andrage, give me Andrade. Give me Andrade and Zhang too. Give me that one first. I like that match. I like that. I would like I, that I like fight that. to happen not in China when the UFC is very clearly <laughs> trying to get the belt not on Jessica Andrade. That's one of, that was one of the strangest title changes because it happened like the middle of the night for most yeah, people, right? Most people woke in the up middle of the night so in China, and it was the most transparently like, "Well, it's cool that you have this, but we'd rather this woman have this title." Can you, can you, Brazilian champion, please fly to China and give your belt in front of the crowd? That'd in, be great. We, in fairness, I don't hate it in retrospect because it did lead to the greatest women's fight I've ever seen in my life, and one of the yes. greatest period fights I've ever seen in my life. We uh. We, not to digress too much, but we've got some vulnerable like champs, haven't we? Like Glover Teixeira, I feel like oh, Charles Oliveira, sure. I think is, st- is still considered in there, just be- if it, only because uh, Islam Makhachev exists. And then uh, Juliana Pena, again, a lot of people kind of lining up to try and get that Very fight. And as, and, and as you said, Esparza. Uh, uh, so mm-hmm. that's like four UFC plus, champions who are like... Plus the heavyweight title might not be defended. You could have a lot of title change over in the next eight oh, months. Oh, sure, sure. 100%. But I wouldn't, yeah. I, but I wouldn't put Nganu, I mean, that. I just mean the people who actually are holding the titles now. Like how vulnerable yeah. are they to actually lose it? It's like we have like four, four really good candidates where like uh, uh, there's many opponents Sterling? who would be considerably sterling uh, is yeah, an interesting yeah. case sure dillashaw right dillashaw might be betting i dillashaw? mean he's well more well it could be a betting favorite yeah. i mean joe jose is going to take the bell from Aldo. him we all know let's sure. go that's the Al- world i want to live in let's Aldo do it. the goat Aldo, the greatest fighter of all time <laughs> all right, all right. To, to put a bow on this and then we'll move on to our second thing here just one word answer everybody go around the table who's holding the title at the end of 2022 for this 115 pound division jed at the end of 2022? Yeah. December 31st, who holds the title? Oh, oh, oh that is a tough one. I'm going to say Jessica Andrade. Oh, okay. Damon. You want a young Jacek. What do you think, AK? Can you imagine? Carla Esparza. She's, oh. ha- she's hanging on. Oh, she's, she's, so she is. So she's not fighting. Way. 
She's she not fighting for the rest of the year. Got is, it. She is grinding her way to a win over one of these women we named. She is grinding her way to a win. I think something's set up right now for Ioana to do this, and I, if she can win that fight, I think she's going to end up with it. My big issue with that fight is we saw what they did to each other last time. You really think either woman's going to come out of that fight Ooh. ready to turn around by the end of the year? Thankfully, it's only, it was only three yeah, rounds true. this time, so yes. we don't get oh, all five rounds of exactly. destruction. So, yeah. Uh, that does but they're going to go, cra- go crazy in those three rounds, though, like gonna, G and Chandler did, though. Maybe, gonna, or maybe it'll be a much more tactical fight. You, I forgot we've it was seen three it rounds. with I'm all of the rematches answer. with these women, where like the first one is very definitive, the second one's not. Mm-hmm. Maybe this one's the flip of it. And I, mm-hmm. I, and I can't help but I'm wonder if Zhang. Joanna's correct. And I can't help but wonder if Zhang's going to be a little bit more gun shy after, you know, she's had a couple of couple of rough outings here you know and she got knocked out like i don't know i'm always weary like when someone has a war like that and then they've had some rough outings since then like i'm always kind of curious like how they're going to come back so uh yeah we'll I find out wanna. we're gonna find out soon i will say if esparza gets matched up if they do the the you wanna, if, if you have jay earns that rematch that's like my least favorite as far as like Espar- <laughs> I, I just i just i, I could see them fighting like t- 20 times I think Joanna Joanna Jacek Jacek barring injury features 20 out of 20 I think times. the ghosts of yeah. that so that's like fight are matchup. in like, Carla's head forever. Like the and let's not, and, and just the style. And and yeah. just the style. Like, yeah. I just don't think it matches. And let's not, let's not forget, you know, again, we always about every one of those fights. I think if she fights Jessica Andrade 20 times, Andrade just like, I'm an athlete, you're dead. The same thing for Wiley. And let's not forget, I know we kind of lose track of it because of the Rose, you know, the two fights with Rose, but let's not forget, you want of styled on Andrade when they fought like that oh, was yeah. just a that was five definitive. round lopsided like it was it was not even close I think, I think it would that be closer different now. this time yeah I think it would be a I think Andrade has added a lot time. more tools especially in the footwork regard that would help her oh I don't disagree I think it'd be a fight. better fight the second time but yeah like I just can't forget like I was there I remember that fight like you want to just styled under for five rounds I ruled I just low-key love this division right now because we don't it's have answers and there's no real right or wrong answer as we've said a thousand times uh so let's move on second thing we wanted to hit today fellas we're nearing the halfway point of the year um I don't know how that's true but somehow it's true. Uh, you guys did an, oh, an excellent little midterm check-in. Uh, get a little awards action. Get a little predictions action. Uh, so go check out that on the podcast network if you haven't already. But we wanted to take stock a bit with four of the more interesting divisions in the UFC and really how they've developed over these first five months of 2022. So we're going to do a quick little game here. A quick three rounds. The way this is going to go, uh, it's very loosely set up, but the way this is going to go, we're going to give you three names who have really done something over these first five months, and you're going to have to tell us who's the realest of the deals of those three, who's the, uh, and we're, these names are still being workshopped, interimiest of deals <laughs> of the three. We'll explain it. And who is the fugaziest of deals between the three? Uh, AK, can you explain this a little better than I did? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the real deal, I mean, pretty clear uh, of, of the names presented. Who do we think will very likely at least challenge for an undisputed title and quite possibly win it? Uh, the middle part, like the interim is kind of is it kind of is what it says. Uh, one, I was trying to be hip and cool and kind of make the MMA version of mid. I heard a lot of kids saying mid these days, guys. So I kind of want to get in on that. And I don't think I'm using it like even close to correctly. <laughs> but this is our version of that. I just say when I think inter when I say interim think mid but also think interim 
also think interim because thank you, Jed, because it's catching on because we're really kind of saying like <laughs> we're really kind of saying that this person is certainly a good fighter, like their rankings legit, but they're probably interim champion or interim title challenger at best. And then Fugazi, I mean, I think everyone was not if anyone's familiar with the term. You know what we're saying. If you're not familiar, we're kind of saying like, look, uh, this person might be, it might have flown up the rankings in recent months or over the past year, but uh, for whatever reason, favorable matchmaking, uh, a good old fashioned luck, uh, it's not, they're not really going to, we don't really think they're actually going to be a threat to uh, whoever it is at the, the top, top, top of the division. So that that's kind of loosely how we're categorizing these fighters. All right. And so we're going to do quick four rounds on this just for the more interesting divisions, how they've developed. And let's start with the big boys. We've already sort of hinted at it a bit. This heavyweight title is all over the place right now. Who knows if it'll be defended? Uh, And so, AK, I want to start with you. Three names on our docket right now. Tommy Aspinall, Tai Tuivasa. You have to sing the song when you say Tommy Aspinall. You have to sing the song, Sean. You can't just you can't just say Tommy Aspinall. It's Tommy Aspinall. Tommy Aspinall. I was teeing you up. I was. I, I knew he was coming. I knew it was coming. Uh, and then Alexander Romanov, who actually just debuted in our rankings, who has been like slept on this entire time. Dude's not new to the UFC. He's been slept on for so long. I think Jed was like the first guy to get on the train, uh, the Romanov train on this team. But he debuts this month at number eleven. Of those three, AK, how you categorize it? Uh, at a first glance, I was having a little trouble, but I put a, just the tiniest bit of thought into it. Actually, pretty easy. Uh, first off, very happy for Mr. Romanov, as you mentioned, uh, maker of ranking. We talked about it a little bit in the first part of the show, Sheen, but uh, you know, there, we had, there was some debate over how high this guy could go. Yeah, he did settle in just outside the top 10, which feels right. Jed, I think you had him a bit higher, I would imagine, in your rankings. Is that, is that correct? I had him at eight, and the only eight, reason he's yeah. that low is because I am a coward. <laughs> no, frankly, you are. When no, I was, you are respecting. When I was making, you're no, respecting I, the process. He's he doesn't no, have to win yet. He doesn't have to win. No, you can't. I knew you guys would Derek call Lewis. on me to do this, and I didn't want to have to spend 15 minutes being like, yeah. So, uh, not to tip my hand a little. Yeah, Alexander Romanov would absolutely bundle tie to Ivasa, so well, I listen, ranked him above him. This is so. He's this only your a chance. because I'm a coward. Hold on. Hold on. This is your chance. Listen, it's good. We'll, we'll lead right into that because this is your chance to kind of make that case here. So for me, my real deal, I'm going against all you guys, I bet. I love Tai Tuivasa. Uh, I think I, 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 listen, I love Tai Tuivasa. Wow. I, I, I was like this post show after that Wolves big win over Derek wowzers. Lewis when, when everyone was saying like, oh, you know, it's Derek Lewis. Like it's a it's a cute win, but this is as far as he goes. We had a whole I think a headline of one of our rankings posts was, is he really deserved to be in the top five or something to that effect? And I'm like, he just beat a two time like title UFC titles challenger. Like this is let's show the man some respect. Yes. A lot of people, you know, occasionally not a lot of people, I shouldn't say that some 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 notable names have gotten the better of Derek Lewis and used his name to vault themselves towards title shots. And uh, and, and maybe Tai Tuivasa is just one of those guys. Maybe he just he got he won the Derek Lewis sweepstakes. He he won a he won a, a slugfest. And, and you know, he's he's not he's only in the top five because he took Derek Lewis's spot. That's fine. I could see that argument. That's fine. Like you don't actually realistically think he'd beat anyone in the top five or top six or top seven. However you want to extend it besides Derek Lewis, fine. I disagree. This guy is just kind of, maybe I'm going old school. I just like these guys who are just scrappers. Like like when you see them put in a fight, I, like, I feel like you don't need to explain. There's a million reasons why you think they won't win. But somehow these guys just get the job done. And, and at heavyweight especially, when you have that kind of knockout power, you have that kind of, uh, I think, um, improved maturity on his part. I really believe 
he will he could at least fight for the title. Would I pick him to beat Naganu, Stipe, Sidalgan? I don't know. I don't know about that. But does he deserve could he actually earn an undisputed title shot someday? I really do think he could. And I think he could win an interim title along the way to get that title shot. So I'm going with him as my real deal. And I'll just do you want me to do, do you want me to do you want to skip around or do you want me no, to yeah, stick, just stick? run through them real okay, quick? Okay, okay. So I'll go real quick here. And then <laughs> Jed, don't hate me. So I, I, so this means obviously Aspinall's my last because I have Romanov as my my interim guy. I mean, as my mid. Wow, Aspinall's your fugazi. Aspinall's my fugazi because this is I think easily Romanov, the most shocking thing that I've uh, I <laughs> no, was not prepared for this. Just wait till you hear the other. We, we've only just begun. So uh, because I mean, Romanov, I think is going to hang around. I do think he's going to be a contender for a while. I do think he's going to be a guy that people have to beat to get to the top. Um, I just I need to see more. Besides, obviously, just the insanely like powerful grappling and his fun wrestling, uh, which there probably is, but I just need to see more. So that's that's just you know TBD. And uh, Aspinall, the reason why I put him is I, I don't think he beats Curtis Blades. Um, now, not beating Curtis Blades does not immediately remove you from title contention forever. And this matchup, frankly, had to made kind of just based on where the rankings are, and then wanted to have a big fight for the next London card. So I understand, um, but I just don't like it for him, and I think it's going to expose him. Uh, as as Blades has exposed many good, many really really good fighters. So that's the thing is I think his stock's about to take an immediate hit. It is a bit harsh long term to call him a Fugazi, but that's sort of my rationale now. Is I do think we'll see him take a loss, and I think uh, Tuivas and Romanov, depending on who they get matched up, are going to at least continue winning for the near future. So, so we're going to see a slight dent in the Aspinall armor, and and I'm sorry, Jed, a little a little bit of a, a damper on the the musical stylings. Okay, this is this is for you. Um... You're insane, but that's okay. <laughs> Look, it's it, you. You have the freedom to be an insane person, and that's. I thought honestly, looking at the, I thought heavyweight was the easy. I was like, oh, this is the one. What we'll all agree because it's very obvious who's the Fugazi in this group of people. No, but obviously, I was wrong. Hit us with your okay. list. Go for it. Well, the Fugazi is obviously tied to Ivasa. I, I don't disregard what AK says in that he's currently you know, the highest in the UFC's rankings and he is. And in our rankings. Is he? Well, yeah, I, I'm sure you guys, you guys all, all respect uh, victories. I respect Curtis Blades. So I have him above, <laughs> but yeah, you know, like I get it. He is one fight away from a title fight, but he's not going to win that fight. And for like, it's mind the exact opposite argument of AK. I agree with AK. I think Curtis Blades is probably going to beat Tommy Aspinall. Tommy Aspinall is also young and going to be around this division where you can just stay in this division for 30 years. Look at Andre Arlovsky, the GOAT, just still doing things. Um, you know, you you can, uh, being young here is a strength. And Tommy Aspinall has like a lot of varied and useful skills and also could upset Curtis Blades. I will. I don't know what I want to bet on this, but I can't see Tai Tuivasa beating literally anybody ranked above him that would get him to a title fight. And I certainly can't see him winning the title. I think we talked about it afterward. This is the peak of, of Tai Tuivasa's career. I think Alexander Romanov would absolutely bundle him up if they fought. Um, and so I, I, I think Romanov has a great style. He's young. Uh, the new new cut Romanov, you know, he, he was carrying some soft with him for a while, but then he decided he was going <laughs> to hit the Nikita Krylov, let's get yoked school of heavyweight. And uh, that's a scary man. Man with the, with a strength and conditioning coach. Got a get back coach. Got 
that's that dude's going to be problems in the division for some time. And Tai Tuivasa is just going to be a fun brawler who gets beat by people who are good at fighting. <laughs> and he just, he happened to run. Derek Lewis the is just this anomaly. The no, Derek Lewis is this anomaly who's good at fighting by definition because he wins, but he's like bad at all the component parts of fighting. He just, it, but it, it all adds up to being good. And Tai Tuivasa just, caught him on the night that it was good to catch him like i'm just saying what you're all thinking no one here other than ak and i'm not even sure ak believes it he might just be taking right now thinks that tai tuivasa okay. is going to win a title if tommy aspinall wins the heavyweight title i don't think anybody will be surprised and if alexander romanov you know at least fights for the heavyweight title i don't think anybody would be surprised so i've got tommy aspinall as the real deal holyfield I have Alexander Romanov just right behind him in that. I but since we're ranking them, I'll put him, you know, in the middle tier. And Tai Tuivasa, you've made the Shui Vasa, which is a garbage funnel. Uh you're you're oh, doing Jesus. great things. This on this we agree. This is just getting on personal. This, on no, this the Shui Vasa's Garbo. It's it's a it's a funnel. It's not a shoey. It's oh, just oh, a funnel shoe, shaped mean, like oh, the, a shoe. The, the, his his thing his his shoey vasa yeah. itself. Not, shoeys not are the great. That's of not a shoey. Yeah. No, shoeys are shoeys are fantastic. That's just not a <laughs> shoey. So, um, you're hella fun though, and I can't wait to watch you scrap forever. But you're just not going to win a belt, and these other two dudes at least have real chances at it. All right, Damon, how do you how are you ranking these guys? These three. Uh, so I've been waiting for my time to actually say this because I've been biding my time ever since we saw Fugazi, just so I could say Fugazi, Fugazi, it's a wazi, it's a woozy, it's fairy dust. Does anyone please Matthew, tell me you know that quote? Matthew McConaughey from yeah, the Thank you. Wolf thank Wolf. you. <laughs> been waiting on that one. Uh, I think, yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, the Fugazi is clearly tied to Ivasa. I mean, come on, AK. Clearly, I mean, you, you yeah, I mean. Ooh. He is he is the least likeliest guy to win another fight in the top five ever, um, much less his next fight. I mean, if he fights Cyril Gaon in September, as we all expect, I think that's a I think that, that is a terrible matchup uh, for him. But I mean, can you imagine Tai Tuivasa fighting Curtis Blades? He would be on his he would be on his back within eight seconds of the first round, and it would be over within two minutes. Um, Steve is a bad matchup. I think Ngannou is a bad matchup, even though again Ngannou might stand with him, but I just don't see Tai Tuivasa putting him down. So yeah, I think Tai Tuivasa had his biggest win. It was Derek Lewis. I don't think it'll ever get bigger for him than that. Um, and that was all. Let's also not forget that was a huge jump up for him. He was like way down, like you know, low, low in the rankings, coming off a win over Greg Hardy. I, I'm sad we ever have to mention that name again. But to go Augusto from Sakai, that to Derek Augusto Sakai, excuse me. Yeah, to go from those Rude. kind of fights to to Derek Lewis, that's a big jump. Most guys don't get. He did, and he won. Good for him. Don't think it's ever going to get any better for him. Uh, for my interim, I'm putting Tommy Aspinall purely oh. because purely because I don't think he beats Curtis Blades, and I think that's going to knock him back in the rankings. It's going to put him a little. It's going to put him further away at that point. I think Curtis Blades, in my opinion, is the third best heavyweight in the UFC behind Francis and and Stipe. I, I don't know he'll be. He obviously, has two losses to Francis. He's never fought Stipe, but I think Curtis is that guy. I think if you if Curtis and Derek Lewis fought 10 more times, I think he beats Derek Lewis 10 times. He got caught that night. Good for I'll, Derek Lewis. I'll one-up you, Damon. I think Curtis beats Stipe. I've said it for years. He could. I think so he too. absolutely could. I think so too. I don't. At I don't discount that. At this point, here's here's you want to hear my you want to hear my AK level of like disrespect right now. I'm throwing out there. I think Curtis Blades washes John Jones in a heavyweight fight. 
I think he washes because John Jones has never fought a wrestler of that caliber at heavyweight. I think Curtis takes him down and pounds on him. That's how much confidence I have in Curtis Blades. I think he beats John Jones at heavyweight. Uh, that being said, I just think he beats Tom Aspinall and that knocks Tom Aspinall back. I think Tom Aspinall and Alexander Romanoff are equal to me. They're both incredible prospects. I think both guys could be contenders for years to come. They're both under, they're both, how old is Aspinall? He's like 29 or so. How old is he? 30? 30, 30, is he not younger? I, think. He, I believe he I think is he's 27. Uh, 29. I just looked it up. Yeah, so he has like wow. 14 years left at heavyweight. So he's got plenty of time to develop <laughs> least, into that. At, and, at least. He's got, he's got Belfort champs ahead of him. PFL yeah, titles. He's, got, <laughs> he's got a long time. And and I'm, I'm picking Romanoff as my real deal only because I think it, until he runs into the Curtis Blades or, you know, one of those guys at the top, he, he, he'll continue to win. Because I think he beats a tie to Ivasa. I think he beats a Derek Lewis. A lot of those guys I think he beats. So again, I'm all basing this on I think Aspinall's gonna lose to Blades, and that's just gonna knock him back a little bit. Not much, but just a little bit. And so I think maybe Romanov jumps over him because he'll continue to win. But again, it's a toss up between those two. Um, but tied to Ivasa is my clear Fugazi. I'm sorry, AK, but these guys are right. Tied to Ivasa is the Fugazi of this group, at least of this group, because I do think I, I honestly think Aspinall and Romanov might be the two best prospects in this entire division. If we're not counting Cyril gone as a prospect at this point, because he's already fought for the title. Those two guys, either of them feel like they have no ceiling right now. And the, and, and the way that Tommy Aspinall ran through Alexander Volkov might be the most impressive win of any of these three total. Like that be, might be more impressive to me than what Ty did to, to Derek. If I'm being honest. So I, I actually side with Jed on this. I think I'm putting Tommy Aspinall as my realist of deals. Uh, I'm putting Romanoff as the interim. And then I'm putting Ty as the end. I'm sorry, AK. I'm so if, glad everybody's come along on, on Romanov, you know, he's great. Just, Ubernov, or Ubernov, perhaps Ubernov now. Is I mean, like the, Ubernov the, the, the now. New, yeah. For it's, sure. it's so hilarious my how goodness. this stuff works too, because like he, he beat Chase Sherman. You know, like that's not some crazy win, but it's yeah, just, yeah, that's why. But look, but look at the physique, Sean. That's what it was. Look he came the, in looking I mean, ripped and he didn't look like listen. a baby fat, baby face guy anymore. Like he looks like a monster all of a sudden and he yeah. ran through Chase Sherman like a monster. That's all it takes for a lot of people. Plus, plus I've MMA's been on the really King just, Kong just, train for a long time. You have. MMA is really just a bodybuilding contest anyway. So, I mean, that's at it's one of the scale. It really it, is. It, it, it's one of the scale. We always say that it's one of the scale. Uh, uh, I'm going to I'm going to make a, a bet right now. Unprompted. Oh, I'll make a wager. People know I'm, I'm a teetotaler. I don't drink at all. Um, but I will drink. You guys, you guys pick the alcohol. If Tai Tuivasa gets a title shot, if this man, if sorry, I just say if he, if the Seal Gone fight happens and he beats Seal Gone, even if it doesn't like guarantee him a title shot, if he beats Seal Gone, I will do a, I will. It's like it's not even a bet, but I will do a a, a shoey in his honor. And you guys, na- you guys name the alcohol. You pick the dirtiest alcohol you want. Whatever. Okay. I don't. I can't tell the difference anyway. It all tastes like crap this to me. This is a weak so, bet. This isn't even a bet. This is oh. you just saying you'll do something. That's cel- fine. I, yes. I I accept yes, your it's bet. A, a more of a celebration. Yeah. Bet. AK, if the moon crashes into the earth tomorrow, I will cut off my foot. That's a similar bet because it's never going to happen. <laughs> Tai Tuivas is never going to beat Zero Gone. So you never will, have to do it. Let's not discourage this because I'm very much here for whatever yes. kind of chaos could happen. You never know. And AK, this is just a one-sided bet. I'm here. I'm here for AK. Just doing I don't want people to think. I don't want people to think that I've made such an outlandish like claim to celebrate that. Sorry, celebration boast because I think it won't happen. I do think it will happen. So I am looking forward to drinking out of the stinky boot. I was just saying, I'm just remembering Tai Tuivasa losing to Blagoy Ivanov and Sergey Spivak in back-to-back <laughs> fights right now. Like I'm just still trying to wrap my head around that, and then getting the biggest of wins over Harry Hunsucker 
and Greg Hardy and Augusta Sakai before getting. I'm just saying, like, I'm just throwing that out there. We're like in a heavyweight goat, the heavyweight goat on Jarlowski. Come on now, let's not gloss over it. I still refuse to believe Harry Huntsucker is a real person. That doesn't. That's not. That's not a real thing. Uh, I just also for the people for context, AK is like the most anti-shoey person I've ever met in my life. So the the fact that this is a thing is is fantastic. Not only do I not drink, I think shoeys are so dumb. Uh, I like I like that that I loved everything about Taito Ivasa and I love that he has like he kind of is riding this shoey thing to you know as as Jed put unfortunately a a, a fake product uh, misrepresentation of of shoeys but I do like that about him I like it for him but I want no part of it I think it's dis- I think drinking already is disgusting I think drinking out of a shoe is insane but if by some chance he pulls this off I will I will celebrate in that way for him. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, fellas. Well, let's pivot now from the big boys to the 125ers in a very interesting sort of mix that has has bubbled up here at Women's Flyweight because we've been talking about this for a while, just these three prospects that have really uh, blown up in this division. I mean, uh, maybe not blown up is, is maybe not the right word just yet, but it feels like we're on the precipice of it. Aaron Blanchfield, Casey O'Neill, and AK, can you please say this last name for me? I can never get it. Menon Fioho. Perfect. I love it. Damon, how are you ranking these? So, man, th- I will say I like I like most of these as as pretty good prospects, but I'm going to go my Fugazi. I always got to give out the Fugazi award first. I'm going to go Fugazi to Mano. Uh, how do we pronounce the last name? Fiorel. I'm going her as a Fugazi. Here's why. She's going to probably end up, if she beats Caitlin Chukagian, which is a very winnable fight for her, if she does that, she's going to get matched up most likely with Valentina Shevchenko, and then she's going to get absolutely washed by Valentina Shevchenko. She got outstruck on the feet at moments by Jennifer Maya. Okay? She got outstruck on the feet at moments by Jennifer Maya. Valentina Shevchenko is going to toy with her like a dog at dinner. It is not going to be fun to watch. So she's my Fugazi because I think she has no chance whatsoever to beat Valentina Shevchenko. Will she maybe get a title shot? It's possible, but she's no. She's she's She got rushed so quickly to the top of this division by beating Jennifer Maya, which, again, to me is not that big of a win. Um, that I just think she's going to get, I mean, I, I don't even know if she beats Chukagan, to be honest. She's like, Chukagan has a weird ability to win really close split decisions, and she may lose to Chukagan, to be honest. That's Chukagan is the Holly Holm of that division. Like, it's just yeah, very, Chukagin, very difficult Chuk- to pass her. Chukagan will throw, like, 800 strikes. She'll land, like, 70 of them, and she might win a split decision. That's all I'm saying. But she kias, um, Damon. She kias yeah. so well. 
for my interim, I'm going to go with Casey O'Neill because I think Casey is super talented. Of course, unfortunately, she's out for a year with uh, ACL surgery, and she did have a couple of you know a couple of bad moments in that fight with Roxanne Montefiore, a fight that I thought she should have won, you know, in a pretty lopsided fashion. It ended up being a closer decision than I think a lot of people imagine. But I'm still really high on Casey O'Neill. And then my uh, my you know the real the realest of real is going to be Aaron Blanchfield. She fights this weekend. I think she's a monster. I'm a big big fan of Aaron Blanchfield. I think she's only developing, and she's so young. I think she's going to continue to develop. She's got a real good ground game too, which I think is really you know stated well for you know going up you know, getting through some of the other top contenders in this division. Uh, I'm a big, big Aaron Blanchfield believer. So I'm going to put her as my realist of real uh, as a fighter, I believe will. And also just again, playing the odds here, there's a good chance Valentina goes up and becomes bantamweight champion. And I don't know how much she's going to be, you know, toiling away a flyweight, although bantamweight is a, you know, freaking barren wasteland right now. So there's not many options for her at bantamweight either, but Blanchfield may, may end up fighting long enough to where Valentina is just gone or has, you know, given up the title or something and not going through Valentina gives her a better chance of actually becoming champion. Blanchfield of note, the curtain jerker for this terrible UFC card we're about to get this week. It's a uh, ridiculous. It's an interesting choice. <laughs> um, ridiculous. Jed, what are you thinking? Well, this is a really interesting division. I think I largely agree with Damon uh, on the broad strokes here. Uh, first, all of them are Fugazis, depending on how we're determining this, because not a one of them is ever beating the bullet train. The Chevy truck is just running right to retirement undefeated in this division. So if that's where we're drawing the top of, of the order here, none of them are even given a real run. That being said, I think Manon Furo is probably going to get a title fight because I think she'll be Chikagian. I'm not confident in that because death taxes Chukagian by decision is is a meme for a reason. But at some point, Chukagian, Chukagian really didn't look great in the, that last bout, whatever, two weeks ago. And I think Fioro has a, a, a at least a decent chance. And so she'll get a title fight. But I would still name her my Fugazi if, I, if we're ordering for the same reasons. As Damon says, she's had some struggles, you know. It's not great when, when Jennifer Maya is com- competing with you on the feet. But I think she's going to at least get a fight for a title. But I'm with Damon in that. Once she fights for that belt, that's it. She's never going to do it. Whereas Aaron Blanchfield, I think she's so young, has such an opportunity to just outlast the rest of the division <laughs> until we can wait for the clarity of, of Shevchenko to, to retire and, and open things up. So for me, I am, I'm going to go lockstep with Damon in that I think Aaron Blanchfield is better than Casey O'Neill as a prospect. Uh, so I'll take her as number one. I'll take Casey O'Neill uh, as my midi just because she is also so young. And I'll take Manon Fioro as, as the Fugazi because she's older, uh, has a much more limited skill set, and doesn't have the time to kind of wait out Valentina Shevchenko. But I think if if we're just going on who is going to be quickest to a title fight, I think Furo is going to get the title fight. She's just going to lose it. Hmm. It's to me, this is one of the tougher divisions to do this with. Do you guys? Did you guys find the same? Well, it's because, I mean, it's tougher because Shevchenko because Shevchenko is going to yeah. run roughshod over whoever she faces. So sure. it's hard to say anyone's like a legit contender because I actually I really do. I really like Aaron Blanchfield. I think she's an incredible prospect, but she's also if she ever runs into Valentina Shevchenko, unless Shevchenko just gives up or, you know, she's just a shell of what she once was That's, when she gets older somehow, which is not going to happen. Talk? <laughs> have you ever yeah, heard I mean, her speak? That is like, not what sure, that woman's going to yeah. do. 
Shevchenko is she's not going to lose. I mean, it's just not going to happen. So it's hard to rank them because nobody's beating Valentina Shevchenko. If Valentina Shevchenko is fighting at 125 pounds, she's winning at 125 pounds. And that's the tough thing too, is because I, I I think and I agree with both of you that like Valentina is not long for this division in a in a sense. In that I think she will fight for the bantamweight title by the end of next year, and she probably will win that title at that point. But she doesn't cut weight to get to at all so like she could probably just go back and do both if we're being real like i don't know i don't see a reason why she wouldn't be able to unless she just doesn't want to uh so it, it's you're forgetting she also has to go up and get the 145 belt too. so three divisions is a lot to work in sean i'm not saying she could do it i think she could play queen of the hill every other weekend and just knock off contenders and be fine but factor that in I think I echo everything, though, that you guys said about Aaron Blanchfield. The fact that she is buried uh, as the curtain jerker of this card that starts extremely early for us West Coasters, which I love. Hey, do the early start times. I'm all about it. But if you're putting Aaron Blanchfield, who might be the best prospect in this division at a 10 a.m. start time on a random Saturday, like that's again, that's a choice. That's an interesting choice. Uh, but I, I agree. I mean, she's so young. She's 23, and she does feel like she has the the ceiling and the skill set to be able to kind of mature into someone who can be, just be a real demon uh, in, in this division. Where I dissent with you guys, though, is the other two. Because I would put... At, I was higher on Casey O'Neill until the Roxy fight. Maybe the Roxy fight is one of those fights where everybody gets, you know, that 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 every prospect reaches some level usually will where they struggle with an opponent they shouldn't have, and maybe it, it, they use it as a launching pad. So like, okay, I, I I'm not the shit right now. Like I'm, I'm I need to now really up my game and, and focus in a different way. Maybe that's what that's going to turn into for her. Uh, but for me, for now, I would put her as the Fugazi and I would put Manon as as the middle because I have been impressed with Manon. I know we keep crapping on Jennifer Maya, but Jennifer Maya is like a pretty legitimate contender in this 125-pound division, and I was actually pretty impressed with the way Manon handled that fight. Chukagian is a different beast because, as we said, death taxes Chukagian by decision. Everybody knows it at this point. I don't know if she's going to be able to pass it, but it wouldn't surprise me if she gets past it. And I think that alone says something because because Caitlin is just such a, a, a monster gatekeeper in this division, sending back every single prospect that comes up against her. Uh, so for me, that's my order. Aaron, Manon, Casey. What about you, AK? I'm with Damon and Jed for the most part, so I won't repeat all the things I said. I think all the things are on point. I'll play a little devil's advocate here. So the one reason that one person, and you kind of just touched upon it, Gene, that like that you would want, you could put uh, Firo at... Uh, in the uh, real deal spot is she is like legitimately one fight away. She is one fight away, one impressive win. If she beats, all she has to do, if she beats Caitlin Chikigan, uh even even if a Valentina Shevchenko decides to go up to 135 and fight, you know, the winner of the Payne and Nunes fight, even if that happens, I think uh, Fierro would just wait until next year and see if Shevchenko, and Shevchenko would come back and defend. I think she'd love to defend in two divisions like Amanda Nunes did. And she would love to fight Menon. Uh, Menon is is uh, uh, quite a bit older than Aaron Blanchfield and Casey O'Neill. It's kind of why she's been rushed up a little bit faster, I think. Um, so even that physical maturity, I think, is important as well. And look, stranger things have happened in title fights. I, yeah, I mean, again, she fights uh, Shevchenko a hundred times, nine nine out of a hundred to Shevchenko win. But maybe uh, Shevchenko stubs her toe, uh, suffers some weird injury. Uh, maybe we get like a, a Vitor Belfort. I'm just saying, all you have to do is get in there with the champ to have the chance, right? We've seen, we've seen weird. Maybe she has this Rose Namajunas like brain fart, and we get a, we get an Asparza. You know, what I mean, it's just like this weird super tactical fight that's like impossible to score, and somehow you know Menon wins two out of three cards. They're like, like. Just getting there is is so important. And the fact that she's one fight away is why you might, you know, say she's the real deal. Because 
as much as I love Aaron Blanchfield as a prospect, and actually like and like Casey O'Neill as a prospect too, both uh, twenty five and under. They're so they're so young that for me it's like the opposite. It's like it's almost impossible for me to project like oh for sure they're on, they're on this path to get a title fight because you just don't know this early on. You don't know how a fighter takes their first UFC loss. You don't know how a fighter takes their first um, uh, sort of lackluster decision win. Like you kind of mentioned the Mata Ferry fight. Does does Casey Neal learn from that and come back as this beast, or did we kind of see her? Did we see parts of her game that are like legitimate flaws that that need to be corrected? Um, so the fact that they're not close is why, again, is why I, I would I would understand why people would be hesitant to put them above Menon, uh, Ferro in these in these particular rankings, the way we're doing them. But I do. But again, I do think Blanchfield will win a title someday uh, after Shevchenko retires. Again, the ages just don't line up. It, uh, she's she's literally like three years away. If you were like talking about having a chance to straight up be Shevchenko in a fight, we're talking like three years away. But. I think Shevchenko is, you know, at some point will retire. And I think uh, Blanchfield will slot into one of those spots someday for a vacant title shot or something. And, 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 yeah, and yeah, she's an amazingly talented young woman. But anytime fighters are this young, 25 and under, I just it's sorry for me just to guarantee anything with them. So I, I am with Damon and uh, Jed. But I wouldn't blame people if they said uh, Menon Firo, one fight away, you know, from actually fighting for the undisputed title. It's so funny because, like, I love Val. Valentina is amazing. She's one of the most amazing fighters I've ever seen in my life. Also, just one of the most interesting people I've ever spoken to in my entire life. But if, if in some world where Val doesn't exist, we look at this division so differently, and this division is so fascinating all of a sudden because I don't know at that point what happens. Like, I don't really know who would just come out of that heap. That would be a very light, heavyweight-esque situation to me where maybe we get some really weird stuff at that point and, like, Lauren Murphy's champion or something like that. I was going to say. We don't even know. That's literally what I say. Lauren Murphy could be a UFC champion in this world. Nico Montano was. So (laughs) it would be like strawweight, only instead of all the fighters being good, they'd all just be fighters. Or Jessica Andrade would just be this dominant champion. Actually, actually, Jessica Andrade would have just won the title and be dope as hell because she's always dope (laughs) as hell. Yeah. Well, fellas, let's move on now to round number three. Last one of the day. And for this, we actually had to throw a little curveball in there because there's just too many names. We couldn't narrow it down to three. We couldn't figure out how to do it. We're doing 145, the featherweights. Big grouping here between Arnold Allen, Bryce Mitchell, Ilya Teporia, and Movsvar Evoliv. I'm t- sure I just ruined that last name. Uh, but Jed, let's start with you. How are you lining up these four? Because this one was the toughest one by far for me. Pick two yeah, Fugazis, this... by the way. Pick two Fugazis, please. Yeah, I don't I don't like that. I don't <laughs> appreciate that's not a rule I want to do because I don't think any of these dudes are Fugazis. I think all of these guys are legitimately dope prospects. Um, picking two of them is close to impossible. Uh, also, we're doing this like a couple of days before uh, Mavsar Evlov has the biggest fight of his career against Danny Ige, which could fundamentally change how I feel about any of these things. So it's just like this is a really, really difficult one for me. I'm going to functionally default to my featherweight rankings, more or less. Um, and for me, I have been super high on Arnold Allen for a really long time. I think the only knock against Arnold Allen is that he does not fight as much as he would say that he wants to, you know, he's, he's putting in one fight a year. He has frequent hand injuries, but every time he fights, he's looks like the, like a tri-star next tri-star guy. He looks like featherweight Rory McDonald. Um, and I, you know, his last fight out was the best performance of his career. 
I have him number four in the featherweight rankings because I just I think really highly of the dude. I think he'd beat most guys. I love his game. Um, and I think he's he's cresting. So he is going to be my number one. So he's real deal. Uh, if we're picking two Fugazis, AK, do we just we have one midi, two Fugazis, and and one real deal? How how's it work? It's your world, Jed. You can do whatever you want. Yeah, I'd rather do two midis because that feels a little easier for me. But it's still really hard. Uh, for my second one, I uh, I have Evluev. Uh, I'm probably butchering that, but I'm sorry. We're all going to butcher him, it today. It's okay. I've got him ranked at number 11 in the featherweight division. Uh, and I think I, I think that that's going to be... I, I'm not looking at other people's rankings right now. But I feel like after this fight with Dan Ige, which I suspect will be very one-sided, a lot more people are going to come on the Movsar bandwagon. I mean, this dude's undefeated for a reason, and he has showed out. Uh, I think he's looked really impressive, even if he's mostly getting decisions, and I think he's going to do the same against Dan Ige. So give me Mavsar of Love number two uh, as a midi, and then I will take as another midi Ilya Taporia, who I have 13 in my rankings. I actually have all these dudes ranked, so feel good about that at least. Um the Jai Herbert fight gives me a lot of questions, man, because I know that that's up at lightweight. I know Jai Herbert is an interesting physical body because he's so much bigger. But, man, Tapuria was having a rough go of things before he turned the lights out on Jai Herbert. So um, that gives me a little bit of caution with him. Uh, his future at featherweight uh, gives me some questions. So he'll be my, if I had to pick two Fugazis, he would be my, my first Fugazi. And the last one is arguably the guy who, this will be the most controversial. It's Bryce Mitchell. Um, Bryce Mitchell looked incredible against Edson Barbosa. He has basically looked incredible in all of his fights. He's really good at fighting, but I think the, his style of fighting I feel is not going to succeed at the top of this division. Um, he, you know, he's a grappler. He really needs to be able to score takedowns and work a ground game on you. And there's some other guys he can do that against. Does he have a fight booked? No. Who Bryce? No. no. Yeah. No. Like, yeah. You know, like I think he could have success against, you know, a Gigi or something, but I think any of the three guys I just spoke of would would probably rinse him and you know guys like calvin cater um brian ortega i just feel like those guys are all just a bridge too far for particularly what he's doing plus he's a weirdo and uh so if i have to pick out of these four people the guy i'm the least interested in yeah give me the guy who i don't think much of his personal opinions to to be the fugazi Well, I'm going to stick with the rules uh, set out by AK since, you know, rules, rules. So I'm going to go with two Fugazis, a midi, and a uh, and a realist to real. And for my, I'll go in uh, in realist to real order here. I think realist to real, you know, these are all, honestly, these are all pretty solid prospects. I got to be honest. Like, this is not an easy category to just say this guy is, you know, a Fugazi and this guy is the realist to real. But I guess right now I'm going to go realist to real for... Ilya Taporia slightly over Mozart Ivalev only because I think Taporia has that knockout power. And yes, I did have some questions after that Jai Herbert fight, but again, legitimately that was up a division. 
Jai Herbert's a bit of a banger, and Tapori still put his lights out in the second round. So I'll give him a little bit of a pass on that one. I'm a big, big fan of Mozart Ivalev, his wrestling. Of course, his brother won a medal at the last Olympics. His incredible wrestler, very, very strong guy. Um, I like him to beat Danny Ige this weekend, and I think he's going to give a lot of people problems because his wrestling. And my two Fugazi, excuse me, so I put him in, in, in my midi, and then my two Fugazis are Arnold Allen and uh, Bryce Mitchell for two reasons. One, Arnold Allen... Listen, I like Arnold Allen, and everyone was raving about what he did to Dan Hooker. Incredible performance, performance of the night, first round TKO, great. But, I mean, is that really that big of a statement when Dan Hooker's been on a bit of a downturn lately? Michael Chandler got wins, a lightweight title fight off doing the same thing to Dan well, Hooker, so... <laughs> He also he also did that one fight after he went five rounds with you know, Dustin Poirier. So it's a little bit where Dan Hooker was then versus Dan Hooker now, and also Dan Hooker going to featherweight was probably not the best idea in the world. Yeah, that being said, but, Dan, but, Dan but, Hooker, but Michael Chandler also sucks. You have to take that into account. Listen, the other thing with Dan Hooker is Dan Hooker at one forty five is not that good. Like if you look, yeah. look at his writing forty five resume, he's not like. His there's but, a reason he moved up to lightweight. Are you Dan at lightweight. Hooker at lightweight's not that good either? <laughs> I mean, I but think let's look at. I mean, better than it was Sadiq, Sadiq Youssef is a, is a decent win. I like the Sadiq Youssef win. That's probably good. Nick, Lin, I mean, his last four wins, two of the guys don't even fight anymore. Gilbert Melendez and Nick Lentz, they're retired. They're gone. Those are two of his biggest high profile wins, I and mean, they're not even in the sport anymore. The, the Youssef fight and the Mads Brunel fight are probably two of the best wins any of these guys have, though. Yeah, but I just I'm not an Arnold Allen believer. I think he had a flare up with the hooker fight. I don't. And also, again, I'm playing the odds. The guy fights one time a year and he gets injured. And he's out for 18 months at a time. I just can't have faith that they're going to put him into a high profile fight and believe that he's actually. I mean, he beat Dan Hooker and now he's been out again and we still have no idea when he's going to fight again. Uh, and that, that's why we're getting like Josh Emmett fighting Calvin Cater. And the winner of that fight could be right near a title shot because they haven't, they can't depend on Arnold Allen to actually show up. Um, so that's why I have him as one of my Fugazis. I don't think Arnold Allen beats. You know, I don't think he beats Max Holloway. I don't think he beats Volkanovski. And that's not, you know, I don't think, I don't know if any of these guys beat those two, but I don't know that he beats Calvin Cater. I don't know that he beats Josh Emmett. Um, you know, those are closer fights. And again, it might be a year and a half where we see him again. Uh, and then Bryce Mitchell, I, I actually, you know, even though much like uh, Sean Strickland, I'm not a huge fan of Bryce Mitchell in terms of some of the crazy things he says. But in terms of his style, yeah, he's a real dangerous grappler. He really schooled Edson Barbosa. I mean, he, he beat him on the feet and beat him on the ground. It was a really impressive performance. That being said, like, if he gets matched up with someone like Mozart Ivalev, he's not going to take him down. I just don't see him doing that. Josh Emmett, a lot of people know Josh Emmett for having knockout power. I think people forget he was a real good college wrestler. I don't think, you know, Bryce Mitchell's going to take him down. Um, you know, he may get another high-profile win near the top of that division, but I just don't see him beating the absolute best of the best at 145. So that's why I have Bryce Mitchell and uh, and Arnold Allen as my Fugazis. And like I said, I'll put Tuporia number one, surely based on his finishing power, uh, because he actually can go out there and put people away, whereas Mosfar is more known for his grappling and decisions. But I'll put him at number two. And then, yeah, I feel confident in Arnold Allen. Again, we may not see him till 2024 at this point. Man, this one is so hard. Though we keep mentioning, I will say, we keep mentioning this Ilya Taporia fight against Jai Herbert. Herbert had like six inches of height and like 10 inches of reach yeah. on him. Like, mm -hmm. that's a completely different division. I don't know that I put as much stock into that one. Uh, I don't know. What do you think, AK? Uh, so I've got Mitchell and Arnold Allen as my Fugazis. Um, 
Mitchell because I think in a perfect world, if sorry, I should say if he is able to become like the bantamweight version of Colby Covington, like we know he's a great grappler, great wrestler. Uh, the striking definitely needs work, but if he can, if he can, but he also has this insane motor. So if he combines the motor with the grappling and then can get some strike, like some really good, he's not a terrible striker either, but you know, it's not kind of at that level at featherweight where you need to be compared to some of the best featherweights. So if, if he can become the bantamweight version of Colby Covington, then that's another story. But I think that's a long way to go. I think, you know, I don't like Colby Covington's person either, but I do think he's a really, really, really good fighter. And I think that's the that's like the best version that that's that's what Bryce Mitchell should aspire to, and how he can become like a top five guy in a world title contender. I just think he's far from that. I don't think there's any guarantee he gets there. He's going to win a lot of fights just with his again his motor, his grappling. He just needs a little bit of stri- uh, the striking pressure to really uh, take him take him all the way. So I have him as a Fugazi. Arnold Allen as well. It's it's it sounds so crappy to say that because he's what he's not. What is he in the UFC? Nine and zero, eight and zero, eight and zero, nine and zero, nine and zero. Yeah. And, uh, you know, maybe the the highlights have been few and far between, but I like a lot of these, a lot of the wins of age. Well, Mads Brunel, I think is a really, really good win. Um, yeah, he, he has Overland. the best record of any of the dudes we're sure. talking about. I far. Like, the, it's not even like, really, I think it's far. not even a competition, but I, but I also think he's, he's also just had, he's had opportunities, right? I mean, he's had, you know, uh, Ilya, my, my top two, Ilya and Mosar are still relatively new to the UFC. I would favor them to beat a lot of the guys that, uh, that Arnold Allen, uh, beat and again, listen. Arnold Allen's the one who did it. I don't. Gi- I can't give these guys credit for fights that never happened. So I think Arnold Allen's really good. I will say I am confident in saying I don't think he ever makes it to a title fight. I don't think he ever gets that are, signature when he are needs. Confident in that to fight for. I'm confident about it. Yeah, that I don't is think he gets wild. Arnold Allen is still I, I, only 28 years old, man. Sure, I know. He's 28 years old. He doesn't understand how to lose. He is. And that's a bad I thing. That's not, not be, a good thing. That is not a good thing. I would not be confident that he never makes it to a title fight. Is it, that listen, is a I'm bold going by the statement. rules rule. All right. Uh, he's in my Fugazi list. He's in my Fugazi saying, list. I had to put him in the Fugazi list. All right. I, had I to feel like it. I feel like he's I feel like he's sat out like four years of his UFC career and he's only 28. Good lord. I know. I, fights, I feel like he, he should be like 34 at this point. He just fights once a year, basically, but he's been yeah. fighting in the UFC since 2015. Sure. And he's been beating look, good, good veteran opponents. I'll give him that. But no, none of these opponents that none of these people he's beaten has made me think like, oh man, this is the not once have I seen Arnold Allen fight and be like, man, this is the guy. Like this is the guy who's gonna be I see a champion in him and like uh, he's a great fighter. I think he'd be around for a long time. I, I just haven't seen even the Dan Hooker win and, and Damon and kind of went over is like Dan, Dan Hooker's a great fighter. He's not a great featherweight. And I think that was a pretty favorable matchup for Arnold Allen. I didn't expect a knockout. That was that was that was a real statement right there. But I'm not quite ready to put him above, but not enough for me to put him above Evloyev and Teporia. So it comes down to the two of them. And for me, I am so insanely high on Ilya Teporia. <laughs> Uh, I love that. I love seeing fighters struggle and then come back. I mean, it was a lightweight fight, so I don't know how much you want to factor it. And he has a discussion. Don't, for, Let's just don't forget Topori has, okay. to has a win over the what? goat, AK. What? What? I was about no, to my say. Sound, my sound's Let's going just up. call this what it is. Topori is the I, guy who beat Ryan Hall, so you <laughs> whoa, have whoa, to believe he's whoa. the greatest fighter of all time. That's a really impressive win, though. Like, come on. I don't remember. I don't think they fought. I don't know what you guys That It is an impressive win. And that didn't even look competitive, though. Like, that's a really impressive I'm pretty sure that most Ryan Hall losses will look almost identical (laughs) Ryan Ryan Hall is going to win a lot of weird fights and when he loses it will always be he is actually the spiritual successor to to Denny Maya where he will just get obliterated by like Nate Marquardt (laughs) he's never lost I don't know where you're getting this from (laughs) smoked smoked Damon Jackson not Damon Martin Damon Jackson December 2020 (laughs) 
didn't fight again for like 18 months and then fight Jai Herbert. I don't know what this, why are you even bringing up Ryan Hall in this discussion? It has nothing to do with this. I, I, I never saw that. Uh, but I, I am a really big believer in Tapuria. My only fear is I think there's legitimate concerns about him being able to consistently make 145. Uh, I think this was an issue Which before is so the weird, UFC, if I'm he not mistaken. It, he, he challenged for a Bantamweight title not that long Once ago. Time. And now he's just yeah, like, but I, mean, I think I'd rather be a lightweight. Okay. Anderson Silva once fought at welterweight, right? It's like, you know, your body changes pretty quickly. You know, I, I think, I know he's still young. Uh, Tabura, very, very young. He's in that 25 and under range. But uh, I, I if, he, if he gets that on point, he's so easily my real deal pick. And I love, I love Avloyev. And I wish that fight had happened, that, that fight that was scheduled for uh, earlier this I year. I so badly wish we had seen that. I know it would oh. answer. It would answer a lot of questions, and I think again, I don't think it would have taken away from either guy. I think you could say either guy is still like close to being the real deal, no matter who won. But it would have just been really nice to to have that great prospect versus prospect battle. Um, so until that happens, and it probably will happen someday, I'm giving Tapuria the slight edge. I just, I, yeah, I like the finishing power. That's the finishing power isn't everything, but I do like the finishing power. Uh, and uh, I, yeah, I liked his ability to come back against Jai Herbert, and he's one of those guys who I think when he gets the the proverbial lasers on someone like like Anderson's like the best of Anderson Silva, you know, the best strikers they get those lasers going, man, he's so, so powerful and so deadly and it's so fun to watch. Um, so I'm kind of going with my heart here. It would be nice to have a little more evidence to work from. Again, he's only fought uh, twice in the UFC so far or sorry, three times. Uh, Yusuf Zalal, Damon Jackson, a long break, Jai Herbert. And uh, it does not have the resume of Arnold Allen, which is very strong, very strong resume. But I'm willing to Fugazi. Arnold Allen and Bryce Mitchell and go with uh, Dupur as my my real deal guy. I stared at this for like 15 minutes. It's tough. Before They're I can figure great. this out. They're all great. They're all great. Let's be clear here. These are all great fighters. It's I, I think Featherweight is like a low-key underrated division when it comes to these guys. Because we we're, we get so wrapped up with the Max Holloway, Alexander Volkanovsky stuff for so long. And it's it's still going. Like This is still ongoing. Like We, we kind of don't look past that. Featherweight rules. Featherweight yeah. through welterweight are all just bangers. Like and the I future of featherweight. People love Bantamweight too. All of these dudes are in their 20s. Like everyone we're talking about for this division is in their 20s. It's it's ridiculous how good featherweight's going to be for a while. Uh, this one, again, I stared at it for like 15 minutes and I don't even feel good about my order. But I, I did Evloyev last. I didn't, I don't, I probably am going to feel stupid about that by Saturday. Like that, it's just like you have to fit, put somebody last. For me, he was last. I went Bryce Mitchell right after him, even though his win over Essen Barboza might be either the best win any of these guys have or the second best win. It was certainly, you know, I think very highly of Edson Barboza, and that was just not a, a close fight. Um, and then the Arnold Allen disrespect on this podcast is just frankly, like, ridiculous. Get him. It's, Get it's him, utterly Sean. ridiculous. Get the dude is like 9-0 and in the UFC and hasn't been, like, some of these fights have had moments of competitiveness, for, but for the most part, like, he's just washing a lot of these dudes. Like, he has not given anybody any reason to doubt him other than the fact that he has very bad luck and he kind of has, like, a plain personality or, like, a very dry personality. And it just throws people off the scent. His personality is awesome. I dig I, it. We need to. I personally the, dig the it. The Tesco meal deal thing. He's the man. He's hilarious. I can see how it maybe doesn't translate into in the fight world, but like Arnold Allen's Philistines, the man. Philistines. Uh, so for me, he's the second. But I've written already before. I think in a couple of different columns and places. I think Ilya Tapuria is a future champion in this division if he can continue to make weight in this division. I totally agree with you, AK and Damon. He's my number one. I am so ridiculously impressed with this guy. Every time I see him, I don't count the Jai Herbert thing against him. Cause again, he was losing like six inches of height, ten, almost 10 inches of reach on that guy. And he still sparked him out in like 67 seconds in the second round to me. He's my number one, but all of these guys 
like as if if Alexander Volkanovsky get, can get past Max Holloway, we're gonna start reaching some really interesting levels of his championship reign because he's gonna start getting some of the, these up and comers, these prospects, getting thrown at him. And I'm really interested to see how he can continue to evolve and deal with some of these guys. What's What's really crazy though is, and like I and I mean this with the absolute utmost respect in the world to all four of these guys because I'm super high. Honestly, it's a really really tough one to pick. Even though I did kind of take a dump on Arnold Allen. Uh, if Alexander Volkanovsky beats Max Holloway, which I think he absolutely can, he's done it twice already, at least one time very yeah. definitively. Yeah. If he does, if he does, I mean, I have a hard time picking anyone to be Volkanovsky. Like, that's how good this guy is. Like, man, I love the matchups, but man, Volkanovsky is going to be an incredibly tough champion to dethrone. And it's like crazy when you think about like how good this division is. And then you look at the champion, like, yeah, it's kind of like welterweight in a way. Like, you know, Kamaru Usman's the champ. Like Colby Covington is a legitimately really good fighter. You know what I mean? Gilbert Burns, legitimately really good fighter. And Kamaru is, you know, he's just that much better than everybody else. And Volkanovsky could be that guy. I think it's going to be it, it, that's the way these divisions always go, though. Right. With with a very dominant champion is you feel like no one can beat him until all of a sudden somebody just explodes and levels up out of nowhere overnight. TJ Dillashaw randomly against Barrow or something like that. Like all of a sudden somebody's there. And then this just... Santos. Also, <laughs> no. Also Volko. Also, he's 33 or 34. Like he's, he's getting up there in years mm-hmm. and he just doesn't take may... a lot of damage. I mean, he doesn't. Let me, just, let me just throw an 30. idea. Like, I don't know about you, Sean, but it's harder to wake up when you're older. Oh, <laughs> it's just you're way me. more difficult to be 34 and like, ah, my ankle just doesn't work anymore for whatever. Oh, I sneezed <laughs> and now my back's out for two weeks. Yeah. Am I am I wrong? I, I'm really looking forward to Brian Ortega and Yair Rodriguez. That's a really fun fight. But am Great I fight. weird that I really I really want to see Brian Ortega and Bryce Mitchell? I think oh. that's a really fun fight. Oh, yeah. I thought that was Great the fight. fight to make. Like I, I mm-hmm. love the Yair fight, but I thought I totally agree with you. Mm, that is a hard fight for me to determine who I want to lose more. <laughs> Such a hater. Such a hater. I will, I'll close it out with this. I, I personally guarantee if Alexander Volkanovsky beats Max Holloway, that one of the four gentlemen we've just talked about in this division will be the person to beat him. Like it's just inevitable. Like some, one of these four guys is going to level up overnight in a way that we don't expect. And it's going to be spectacular. And I'm super excited for it. I like that. I like that. I like that positive note, Shaheen. I, like I can that. see that. I can <laughs> definitely see that. Up. Yeah, it's it's fun. That this is. A gr- I mean, this division's insane when you really think about. it. Like I said, we've kind of been defined by Volkanovski and Holloway, but then you look at like I love Josh Emmett and Calvin Cater. That is a really really fun fight, and I know Calvin Cater has looked you know really really good beating uh, Chikadze, but I'm super high on Josh Emmett, especially if he can go out there and land that one punch. To put him away. That's a really fun one. And again, Yaya Rodriguez and, and Brian Ortega should be feeling like this is just a crazy good division. Does I don't think this division gets as much credit as it deserves. Yeah. Well, that's because for a while it was in a weird spot, but sure. I agree. It's really fun. I'm with you though, Sean. I actually, as I'm looking at it, I definitely think one of these dudes is going to be the guy to beat Volko because you know who Volko hasn't fought like really? I mean, he fought them back in the day. He hasn't fought anybody who's tried to take him down in forever. Yeah. Like, yeah, Chad Mendez and Darren Elkins once upon a time in a different universe. But, like, yeah, I think there's a real opportunity for Evluev to just Greco-Roman the hell out of him. Well, 
Let's let's end it on that because we have a hell of a slate coming up here in June. The next like four and a half weeks, which is kind of our next ranking cycle, is just looking ridiculous. Two pay-per-views, uh, International Fight Week, the Adesanya Cannoneer, and also Teixeira Prashka and just all of this. Like I'm I'm so, I call him Prashka? Yuri Prohaska. I know how to say his name. I'm bad with names, but I know that one at least. Uh, but anyway, th this slate coming up is spectacular. I can't wait to cover it with you fellas. Appreciate you as always for joining us here on the monthly MMA fighting ranking show. That man is Damon Martin. That man is Jed Mishu for Alexander Kaylee. I am Sean Oshadi. Please keep it locked to MMA fighting. Appreciate all of you guys for joining us and we'll see you next month. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prof G podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prof G pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.